I'm from Dallas originally, but I've lived other places. You've been all around the world, man. You and Johnny Cash. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, all right. Um, well, I say we dive right in. Uh, I'm Let's really go. curious to hear what what three books uh, you, okay. you recommend for other visionary leaders. Yeah. So the first one would probably be Lean Startup. It tells you how to start up a company with Add a lot of expenses. Uh, it's it's a little dated now, but there's so many more apps. But it, it really kind of gives you the concept for doing that. Next one would be I just finished the Elon Musk biography by Walter Isaacson. If you want the biggest visionary there is, um, good, bad, and ugly, read about Elon Musk. And then the third one, this is more specific to our industry, but it really changed the way we see the world. Is a book called Defending Beef. And it tells you how, um, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions in that industry on impacts of beef on the environment and um, health and all those sorts of things. So that's, that's changed the world, the way we view things with with uh, agriculture, animal agriculture specifically. Dude, I'm, I'm so happy that I asked that question because I think a lot of us have the intention to want to understand sustainable farming. Um, you know, we have that idea. And if you never come across somebody who, has your depth of experience in that and you're just trying to figure it out based on youtube videos or based on a local professor um, you know you may not get the same type of response um, and so the the depth of knowledge gained by just knowing about that book um, anybody who's looking into sustainable farming agriculture what opportunities exist there um, thank you chris that's awesome glad to share that information it's that's part of what that's part of our mission is right educating people about the food system and where their food comes from and hopefully showing them that they can make a little money uh, with it as well that's cool that's amazing well we're gonna bring chris right back on and we'll be back after the intro and uh you guys look forward for an amazing vision this is going to be awesome all right welcome in to vision pros live with jackson callum i'm your show host we'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there what is up vision pros welcome into another episode of vision pros live i'm your show host jackson callum founder and ceo of first class business i'm excited to have chris raleigh on today we're gonna to be talking about investing in the future of agriculture innovation for farming operations and his extensive background in this process now um, i don't mind hosting visionaries who are fairly new to their visions because i'm looking for people who have that heart looking for people who have that good attitude of I can lead and I'm headed somewhere. But Chris happens to be one of those people who's been in the trenches for decades on this mission. He's been all over the world uh, looking and seeing what opportunities are out there. And, and really, when I say opportunities, some of you uh, might hear like some of the, the coolest or the most money hungry mission. No, I'm, t I'm t actually talking about the pain and the suffering that exists in the world that we have the opportunity to alleviate. Um, and we have the opportunity to make massive improvements in the way that we're going about life there's a billion people to help in this world so we're going to talk about how that can happen he's also going to talk to us about how you can make money in the process um and so i'm i'm interested to hear about that and see where that goes um and i'm, I'm sure he's gonna give us some resources to check out like the defending beef book that he's already mentioned uh, before we bring chris on board we want to also talk about some of our other sponsors some other visionaries that we're really excited to be connected to the first one is sean lechuga of the wellness shop 365 
Um, Sean and his wife, Julianne, run integrative nutrition, health and wellness coaching consulting practice. What the heck did I just say? Um, integrative nutrition. I'm talking about kind of more the naturopath approach where you're not only looking at preventative health, but you're also looking at how can I live my best life? Well, when I saw this 365 Harmony of Life wheel assessment, I was like, dang, I've never been asked by a health person about my joy, my spirituality, my creativity, uh, my career education, my relationships, what I'm doing to volunteer and to give back. I was like, that is amazing. The amount of depth they go, depth, not depth, depth that they go into uh, to, to really see what's going on in your life and how to help you. They got a beautiful family. Sean and I have worked pretty closely together for the last six months. I've really gotten to see and explore his heart and his mind, his dedication. It's super cool to meet somebody who is really so dedicated to their virtues and principles. Um, you can tell that they live this. And I can see when anytime you, I open the can of talking about health, man, like it, the, his eyes light up and his fire comes out about how amazing it is. So I highly recommend checking them out. Also, there's the law spot with Melissa Gray. Um, <clears throat> now I'm, I'm as, uh, I was very nervous about having a lawyer on my show. Um, I didn't get to meet her. She went through the pre-show um, experience, I think with Sean actually. And then I, I got to meet her and I was like, wow, look at this lady. She's, she's like high nurturer. You know, she's not condescending at me. And she understands that legal for business doesn't have to be complicated. And her nature exudes that. She's got, of course, she has the professional background and the ability to help um, in the tough situations that come up. But I'm grateful for somebody who also is bridging the gap between your Harvey Specters, um, you know, from suits that are probably going to cost you several million dollars or those retainers that are even, you know, I don't know, 600 to $1,200. There's a lot of different price ranges. I don't think lawyers are, are all evil. Um, I don't know one that is personally, but when you're living in a big city and supply and demand is in your favor, you may not have the time to nurture, take care of folks. Um, not if you're not super intentional about it. And that's exactly what I saw Melissa is extremely intentional about is helping people understand what their opportunities are. So if you've passed the phases of growth where you're using something like LegalZoom or Crocodoc or you're using Legal Shield, and, and you realize, man, this isn't quite helping me bridge my gaps and help me helping me have the infrastructure I need to really build my vision, then I'd highly recommend checking out the episode with Melissa or going to her website or just giving a call yourself. Uh, my goal with this is to make sure that the entrepreneurs that are coming behind me, the visionaries who are stepping up, that you guys learn to lead as wise stewards of your venture far sooner than I did. Uh, if you want more stories about that, just let me know and I'll let you know all the different types of legal ramifications I've had to face in my 13-year entrepreneurship journey with my different startups and ventures. Then there's the water project. I refuse to uh, use this platform, uh, meaning my own platform and stage without looking at the opportunities to give back in this world. We have millions of people who don't even have access to clean drinking water, whereas most of us can access it with the tip of our fingers. We can just go in the other room and get filtered water. Um, these, these projects are super special. I love that the water project focuses on rural areas of Africa that are very hard to get to. Um, and they're looking for, uh, what I've seen is villages that have between like 200 and 600 people who are in desperate need of a source of water. And then they're, they're digging, they're teaching them how to do these borehole wells and these sand dams and giving them the equipment to do so with our investments. You actually get to see the outcome of the project that you contribute to. Now, if you're not in a position to give back, you don't have the money to do so. My request would be to pick up the microphone like I've done or to simply share it. Um, you never know which of your friends or family members might see this 
I might invest $5, $10,000, $10,000,000 and helping give back to this and the generational impact of helping one of these communities. Um, you know, just imagine what if your kids had to go out of school um, to get water? What, what if you had to leave work to go find water for your family that might not even be safe? The generational impact that we can make by supporting projects like this is absolutely phenomenal. And if you've got another cause that you'd like to support, do not hesitate to drop it in the comments. So before I bring Chris on stage, um, I actually want to bring up his bio because it is super well written and it drives this depth that I was talking about. So as a career naval officer, Chris Raleigh visited dozens of war torn and poverty stricken countries. He began to appreciate the importance of agriculture to every single person on earth. And as a professional investor with his newfound appreciation, he decided to invest in a farm, but he quickly discovered that these types of assets were inaccessible to the average person. The problem drove him to create harvest returns in 2016 to democratize investments in agriculture. Raleigh's held corporate management roles in Jones, uh, Lang Lasalle, Electronic Data Systems, L3 Communications, and served as a defense consultant at the United States Special Operations Command for six years. He's invested in real estate and income-producing produ income agriculture for over two decades now. He's an angel investor in early stage agriculture and food companies, including the Indian agricultural fintech company, Jai Kisan, which we're going to show in a minute. I hope I got that pronunciation right. He serves on the ad ad advisory board of the ag tech startup Agrofides and as a retired Navy, Navy Reserve captain, um, <clears throat> he has served our country super well. During his 30 year military career, he served in a variety of, of leadership positions in naval expedition expeditionary there we go and joint special operations units afloat and ashore he deployed to afghanistan iraq throughout africa the middle east and the western pacific raleigh he's got a degree from texas a&m university earned an mba at the george washington university he's a graduate of the u.s naval war college and an author as well the man has brought his a-game to his operations so chris raleigh man it is my pleasure and honor to have you on vision pros live welcome to the show Thanks a lot for having me today, Jackson. Great to talk to you and, and everybody listening. Absolutely. I got I love you and go Longhorns. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I also come from a family of Texas A&M fans. Um, so in fact, I have a nephew um, who just graduated from there. So um, <clears throat> are you, do you stay close to Aggieland? Are you still a big fan? I do. I have a daughter who just graduated from there. So that gives me some good excuses to go down there and try to watch football, of course, and all those, all those good things and have a massive Aggie network as well. So. Absolutely. Congratulations, dad. That's amazing. So going into, uh, going into some of our questions here, let's start out with, uh, what's your visionary, what's your vision for those that you serve? Yeah. So that's, Really good. And, and, you know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned a water project and you started out with talking about 8 billion people. That's let me let me back up when you try to set up your whether it's your personal vision or your entrepreneurial vision. You know, I like to start from the macro, start with what are the big trends out there and then kind of narrow down. And how does my mission or my company impact and influence those? So for us, we started saying I been thinking about this for years but now i've got the the demographics when i talk about the demographics and the compelling demographics in agriculture it's the one 
industry that impacts every single person on earth, right? So unless you're out in the woods, living in a cabin, foraging for yourself and hunting, you're part of the agriculture industry. You're a consumer of it. So you're you're buying food, whether that's um, growing your own food or, or buying at a restaurant or a grocery store or some combination of all of the above. You're part of the ag system. Most people are very far removed for it, though. There's there's a tremendous gap between people who produce the food and the people who consume consume the food, even though they're one and the same. That there's there's a big gap there, and so part of our job is to close that. So we we started using this thing um, called 2030-40-50, and that's what drives our thesis about investing in agriculture. So 20 is 20 percent is the amount the population is supposed to grow between now in the next 25 years so we're sitting at roughly 8 billion people um that population depending on what you know what source you're looking at is going to grow to 10 billion people so there's there's that amount of growth 30 percent. this is where things like the water project are so important 30 percent is the amount of water consumption um global water consumption that's going to happen during that same 25 year period so why why is that exceeding the the population growth well you know societies get richer they like their golf courses. They like their swimming pools. They like their, you know, they, they're they consuming barely enough water to sustain themselves to wasting water like, you know, we tend to do here in, in the U.S. So 2030, 40 is the amount of calories that growing population is going to consume in that same period. So, and again, why is that? As societies get across the planet, get, get more wealthy, which they tend to do, um, you know, even though we still have hundreds of millions of people on the planet that are extremely poor or have food insecurity gradually those problems are, are are going away so people tend to consume more calories when they have more disposable income not only are they consuming more calories or consuming more protein so 20 30 40 and now that's all going to happen by 2050 right so that's that's what drives us to see to explain why somebody might want to invest in agriculture. It impacts every single person on earth and the de demographics are very compelling. And then I can also get into, you know, why it's a good investment and why it's a good way to diversify your portfolio and all those sorts of things. But helping transform the food system through investments is, is kind of what we believe in. Produce more food, more sustainably, less water consumption, um, do it in a way more affordably, all those, all those things in, in a way to make farmers profit because Farming is a very low margin business. So the farmers we like to work with are the ones that have kind of figured out how to make a profit doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So to me, it's it's pretty clear what you, I want to, I want to take a stab at this shot too, though, before I ask what I ask. So what's your vision for you? Yeah, my personal vision is to grow this company, um, make it successful and impact as many um, lives possible, whether that's helping entrepreneurs, helping our investors make money, um, that that's my focus right now is, is growing this company. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, so I want to talk about the other side of the, those that you're serving. Um, so the ones who are impacted by the investments that are driven, what can you tell us about their experience? Uh, what are they going through right now? These farmers, the people who, uh, these communities, and what is the vision for them on the other side of, of getting help? So, we've worked we've done a number of deals all over the planet you know we've done west africa we've done outside the united a few outside the united states most of our um, investments are focused on the united states and you know there's a couple of things to know about american farmers there used to be a lot more of them um night when this country was you know founded 
late 1700s, early 1800s, 90% of the population was farmers. Um, now there, there's a much, there's a, less than 2% of the American, our farmers are in the farming industry and they're producing food for the rest of us. So it's, it's getting rarer and rarer to be a farmer. And why is that? You know, why? Well, obviously agriculture is modernized. Um, there are a lot of people that are, um, the farming methods have improved, their yields are higher, all those sorts of things, um, economies of scale, everything like that. But at the same time today, farmers are struggling. And why are they struggling? A couple of different things. One, because especially if you're a small farmer, um, you know, large farms, even though most farms are still owned by family, even though the, the very large ones are owned by families, but they're still, it's hard to say they're family farms anymore when they've been around for multiple generations and they've got, um, you know, all those sorts of things happening. Farm credit right now is really tight. It's it's tight for any kind of small business. And most of the farms we work with are considered small businesses. So because in, interest rates are much higher than they were a couple of years ago, uh, bank lending is tightened. It's harder for these farmers to find sources of capital. So we are able to um, put together offerings that are flexible for the farmers, whether that's, you know, the terms, the rates, the durations, all those things that way more flexible than they could find with a bank, uh, while at the same time, you know, putting deals in front of our investors that are helpful for them and, and provide some sort of diversification for their portfolio. Mm. Okay. And <clears throat> what are some of the challenges the local communities are, are facing right now that need the investment capital? Yeah. So there's been, you know, the, the gap between urban America and rural America has been growing, you know, decade by decade. Most of our population is concentrated in these urban centers. Most of the food is produced outside these urban centers in rural areas. So there's a cultural gap. There's an economic gap. So farmers are in cities, even though their farms might be doing well, they're in cities that are dying or town, I should say towns, small towns, rural, rural locations. So that's part of the dynamic that makes it hard for, um, farmers their you know their farms have to be where the farms have to be which is where there's land um and, and things like that now all that said we're we're looking at new new kinds of farming like indoor farming uh whether that's vertical farms hydroponic greenhouses um things like that but at for the most part most farming in america is rural um so those people have you know whether it's access to broadband, access to you know, services that we might take find in urban areas, that there are challenges there. There's economic challenges. There's challenges with labor, finding enough labor to work on the farm. So all of those things are driving, you know, certain challenges in, in agriculture industry today um, that the companies that we work with are trying to get ahead of by using innovative processes and methods and technologies and things like that. That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see, um, you know, the, the use of modern technologies um, to for the sake of communication, much like a podcast, um, you know, end up diving deeper and deeper into what those realities look like, because I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I think most most of my generation and younger um, have probably spent very little time on a farm. Um, you know, and, and when I say very little time, I wouldn't be surprised if more than 50% of, of metropolitan youth have spent less than five, 10 visits, um, you know, seeing what a farm looks like or how, how, you know, probably had a field trip or something like that. But 
in a field trip, you're worried about your crush. Um, you know, you're worried about what your friends goofing off doing. You're not really paying attention to what's going on. Um, so uh, getting the exposure for what life's like. I mean, I, I grew up in a family where we do have farms um, and I have opportunities to go, but I, I still rarely think about these realities, um, you know, even though it's pretty close to home for me. Um, so let's move into, <clears throat> so anyway, visionaries, if you're, if you're hearing about this, you know, and this is of, of, hasn't been of interest to you. My invitation is, I hope you take interest in what you can learn about this stuff, um, and, and dive in and see how does this affect your future, your generations and not from a fear of missing out or, a, oh my gosh, the world's going to burn. I, I'm just, I'm not going to buy into the hyperbole that exists in life, but is there an opportunity for us to learn how to impact? And is there a win-win? Then cool. It's probably worth uh, taking a look at in that case. Let's talk about a darker subject though. Um, maybe not the world's going to burn. Um, not that far, but what's your worst leadership experience ever, Chris? What does that look like? How, who was, you know, it could be somebody else. It can be your own. Wow. Um, you know, it's interesting because I've worked with a lot of lead. I've been on my own, you know, doing this company for about seven years. And before that, I, I was, you know, an entrepreneur, different consulting and investing and things like that. So it's been a while since I had a boss <laughs> other than accountability to my investors and my board of directors. But way before that, I had a lot. Well, I take that back. I've, I've had I had Navy bosses for a long time. So I've, I've, I've had yep. the great experience to work with amazing, amazing leaders and a few bad ones mostly amazing um worst leadership experience ever way back when i was on a destroyer um we had a some the the commanding officer who's the guy that runs the ship he was fired and then the person they brought in to fix the ship was even was an, a worse leader at least from mine and others um you know what i would call toxic leadership and that was you learn every time you work someplace um, you learn good and bad things and, and that's, and that's good. You know, that's part of life and, and the way you improve yourself as a leader is to take those bad lessons and put them aside and, and embrace the good ones and try to use those as your own personal part of your own personal leadership philosophy. Absolutely. Uh, well, I appreciate you, uh, sharing some of that. I'm sure there's, there's some other I don't like that you mentioned the term toxic leadership that summarizes a lot. There are different types of leadership and, um, you know, it may work to some extent. It may work for certain situations, but it's definitely not a type of leadership that I want to be involved in. Um, or that my team members would want to be involved in. So well said, let's talk about the opposite. Am I cutting out? It looks like my my systems might be but, bad. Yeah, yeah. Can Go you ahead. hear me okay? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead, Jackson. What, what's your best leadership experience look like, Chris? Oh, best. Wow. Okay. When I worked, uh, you know, another military experience, um, working in special operations, just some really motivational people, high performing people, and you know, this is sometimes leadership is just great because people are leading from the front and they're right there with you and they're so competent that you can't help but want to try to be as good as they are to meet their expectations and, and that's to me that's 
the best work environment you can be in where everybody really high performing team and everybody wants you know or oriented towards the same goal and everybody's very mission focused and there's no sort of um you know drama involved with it absolutely do you have a specific story in mind you know i don't but so the time period i'm thinking of one of these time periods was i was in afghanistan um admiral mcraven austin guy uh retired four-star admiral ran socom did all kinds of interesting things he was you know he was the ultimate leader of the organization i was in um this was a good while ago but um he set such a great example um william mcraven and then i worked had the opportunity to work for him on some other occasions you know several several steps below him but he's the kind of guy that you want to wake up and and get excited about going to work for that's awesome and uh, for those you know that is uh if you don't have somebody that you work yeah on. and Go if you this. just you know a lot of people you know you may not have heard of admiral mcraven but you probably have because he's the guy that wrote that made a speech at i think it was at ut several years ago that said you know first thing i do every morning is make your bed make your if you make bed. your bed you've done one thing and then from there you do another thing and another thing and another thing I, i'm kind of paraphrasing he said it much better but that's that's sort of uh you know the feeling behind it that's the one that's the one that's awesome um that's really cool that you got uh, some now did you get to work with him personally yeah on several occasions when you know afghanistan specifically but there were other times i've you know had some encounters with him but like i said i was a couple couple, couple rungs on the ladder below him but uh, still got to uh, be impacted by his leadership absolutely uh the the sign the sign of a great a great or a terrible leader um impacted whether you're directly working with them or not um Let's go into the uh, the most powerful question, I would say. So if this was your last opportunity to share a lesson um, with other visionaries that they can learn from your experience about, what's that powerful lesson you would share? Just keep trying. You're going to fail in life. You're going to fail in endeavors. Um, and what you learn from that adversity and those experiences is is more important almost than what you accomplish. So just don't, don't ever quit. Just keep, keep going. You know, there's thing about grit and never quitting, whatever the situation you're in work, life relationships, um, keep pushing forward. I love that. I would agree that, uh, tenacity, um, resilience, um, diligence, opportunities, things. To, yeah. to persevere and go through. Well said. All right. Well, let's let's take the rest of our time to talk about the investing in the, the future of agriculture innovation for farming operations. So um, we'll probably show uh, Jai Kassan and um, Agro Fides while, while you talk. If you want us to stop sure. on anything, let us know. If you want to go in a specific direction outside of this, feel free to. Yeah, you know, I'll talk about Jai Kassan. Um, the guys that founded that company, they're Aggies. So they're much younger than I am. They came to us several years ago and um, I like their company so much that I just decided to invest in it. And what they do essentially is you'll hear this term called small hold farmers. And these are not so much in the United States, but definitely in the developing world. You know, we count India there. We count sub-Saharan Africa there, um, Southeast Asia, places like that. It's much more like farming was in America 
that 200 years ago where you have a lot of people that are farmers and now have small amounts of land, you know, their backyard or a few acres. And those folks have a hard time, um, you know, making money because they don't have the scale to do that. And they don't have the scale um, because they don't have access to funding. So what Jai Kassan does in particular, uh, and we just thought it was brilliant and the team was, was brilliant and they've executed brilliantly, was provide credit opportunities for smallhold farmers in India. Um, so that's, that's one example um, of the companies out there in the space that are just really changing things. We're doing it um, kind of on a different scale, different types of companies. The, the farmers we work with are a little larger. They're taking um, you know, larger investments, but it, it's, it's similar in manner where we have a pool of investors and they come together. Uh, farmers come to us that want to raise capital. Either they need loans or they want to raise equity. Um, and then we pool our investors together when we invest in those companies. And it's not just farms and ranches. We, we love working with farms and ranches, but we also do agribusinesses. So businesses involved in that whole food chain from the production to the time it, you know, hits your, hits your dinner plate. Um, we also work with agriculture technology companies. So agriculture technology companies, ag tech is, is what we call it. Um, are these companies that are applying technology, whether that's, you know, AI, Internet of Things, um, biotechnology, um, the cloud, all these things, um, you know, used in different ways are improving uh, agricultural production and making it more sustainable, making it more profitable for the farmers, higher yields, all those sorts of things. And we're in, I think, you know, some people call it the fourth agricultural revolution. The last big agricultural revolution was kind of the 50s where... Mm -hmm brought a lot of progress to yields but it, it but maybe some environmental damages and that was using you know large-scale chemicals whether that's synthetic fertilizers herbicides pesticides and now we're kind of backing away from that in agriculture with things like regenerative agriculture so we're we're using uh hoofed mammals and in most cases uh cattle but also sheep and bison we, we've worked with those producers as well um that are mimicking um in the soil mimicking what used to happen on the great American plains with bison, right? So there used to be tens of millions of bison all over North America. They got kind of hunted to near extinction in the 19th century and um, cattle have gradually replaced them. But the way that cattle used, was traditionally grazed was not great for the soil. So the, the farmers that we're working with, they're doing things like, you know, intensive grazing so you, you take a cattle and you graze them in a little section and you move them onto another section and you move them onto another um little footprint and they use things like electric fencing and invisible collars just like the dog shock collars that might invisible fences um they train the cattle to kind of respond to move along so all those things you know organic growth um this is agrofides another uh they're they're doing the same thing similarish thing uh in sub-saharan africa as agro uh, as uh, Jai Kassan is doing in India. So they're doing, um, you know, impact, impact loans, things like that. And, you know, if you want to in invest through them, you, you can, you can go there and, and talk to um, the CEO of that company, really sharp guy who also happens to be another Naval officer that that's how I met him through the Navy, but he's a native of uh, West Africa of Ghana. That's amazing. That is so cool. Just I just as I look at this and I'm you know, you've done you've done a really great job on putting your presentations together and, and helping it be, you know, be very clear 
what's going on and, and how this stuff works. I'm, I'm sure that took time. Uh, how did you get guidance? Uh, I'm going back to helping the visionaries real quick. You know, how did you get guidance on pulling your assets together as well as you did and, and helping people catch the vision for what you're up to in the agriculture? Yeah. Uh, so, so we were some of the early pioneers. My, um, my co-founder Austin Manis, um, likes to say that, you know, the thing about being a pioneer is that you tend to get arrows in your back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, it, it, I guess it looks like it's all come together, but, but we <laughs> continue to learn new, you know, new lessons and lessons we probably should have learned, you know, lessons you learn a hard way that feeling pain is the best way to learn a lesson. Right. Um, so it, it's taken a lot, but that for the company, I knew when I started this company that we needed, you know, it couldn't be a one man show. So I brought on a, an amazing team, starting with Austin. Who, who, you know, grew up working on his, his family farms, um, but but then expanded into people that had deep agriculture experience, deep investment experience, um, private equity experience, accounting, um, marketing, all those sorts of things. We've, we've been fortunate to have that team. And we also brought in advisors. So I would recommend to any entrepreneur, even if you're sort of a solo entrepreneur, that you think about putting together an advisory board. And so, it's it's you know there's corporate governance there's different levels from a, a public co company that has a massive board of directors that are all super con compensated and very formal and they have audit committees and all these sorts of things down to a couple of people that you trust that bring a different skill set than you bring that you can you can incent them and in, incentivize them in various ways maybe it's simply they they agree and are passionate about your your vision and your 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 mission the mission of your company maybe you give them equity in a company um and then just call on them regularly and and formalize it to the extent that you hey, we're gonna have a quarterly meeting that's what we started doing we're just gonna have a quarterly uh meeting in person zoom whatever um and get together and talk about the, the challenges that the the company faces and it will make a, a massive difference in the way you do things and also hold you accountable the one thing that entrepreneurs need i think I mean, most entrepreneurs are very type A plus people, so they need a team of men and women that can kind of keep them in line is mm -hmm. one way to put it. But also, um, you know, kind of kind of give them make make you think about things in different ways that you may not think about things. So I would strongly recommend any any company out there, any entrepreneur, even if it's just one person, you're a one person show, get a couple of trusted advisors and bring them on on board. Well said. Uh, to double down on that, visionaries, and again, this this can be very depleting if you don't receive it with love. Um, this can be, you know, brace yourself before I say what I'm going to say. Realize that we're we're our goal is to help. You know, that's what we want to do. That's what Chris and I are trying to say. Is if you can't if you can't inspire somebody to be on your advisory board for free, you're going to struggle tremendously to ever get a client um, worthwhile you know that that is mentors are not hard to find um they're actually very easy to find if you go with you know you don't even have to go hat in hand but if you go humbly and you ask mentors especially you know there's a small business development center you might start there um every university has a free resource to go to but you probably know some people you know some doctors um you know people who would um, again be they have experience to tell you where you're wrong they have the experience to tell you, hey, you might not, you might not go that way. And my my greater advice in that, to dive a little too deep, is 
the greatest mentors will not tell you what to do. They might tell you you're wrong about something, but they will, they will invite you to take action. They won't take control over what it is that you're doing and they won't be, they won't force you into paying them to be part of it. Um, they will anticipate that one day that you'll, you'll reciprocate, you know, it's, it's a relationship. It's a, it's a given, not necessarily a give and take relationship, but law of abundance says that, okay, that we are going to be able to share victories in this long term. What would you add to that, Chris? I mean, I, I think that was exactly right. Um, reach out, you know, people probably watching this via LinkedIn or whatever. LinkedIn is a great resource. So reach out and find somebody in the industry that you're looking at or that has experience that, that kind of complements whatever your gaps are. And it just link link into them um uh, or whatever connect with them and you may be surprised that they might be actively looking for to get involved with a company like yours i mean heck i'm looking for board opportunities right now if any of your listeners are watching and like what i have to offer give me a, give me a shout i'll uh, i'll at least have a conversation with you i don't know if i can help you but i'll at least have a conversation with you um but there's a lot there's a lot to learn anytime you start a business. You may be an expert. Maybe you did something for so many years and you think you're an expert in, in an industry. That doesn't mean you're an expert in sales, marketing, accounting, um, le legal, all the different HR. things that go into HR, all the different things that go into running a small business, risk management. That's a big one for us. Um, mm. All those, all those things. There are people out there that are, very experienced in those specific fields that might be really excited about helping you out. Absolutely. Uh, got to dive into that a little bit. You said you're looking for board opportunities. What types of board opportunities are you looking at? I'm not really sure yet. I haven't, I haven't thought, thought that through, you know, on a couple of these advisory boards. And of course, in the course of my company, the investments that we work um, with, we're constantly having conversations with those. Sometimes it's it's more give than take where we're asking yeah. for things, information, whatever. Sometimes we're offering advice or just, um, you know, listening to what they have to say. For for me personally, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a tech guy, but I have a, a strong sense of technology and have worked with a lot of tech companies. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I want to be on the board of a tech company, but you never know. But you might, it, right? It's, it, it, but any small business, you know, I'm 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 based in Texas, and Texas is an amazing place, as Jackson can attest to. For absolutely. entrepreneurs, um, you know, the business friendly environment, great people, great resources, great networks, um, all those things. But that you know, now the benefit of, I suppose, the greatest thing to come out of COVID was technologies like these that the people embracing these technologies where we're having these conversations and people are watching live and can watch five years from now, you know, all these, all these sorts of things um, that enable you to work with companies all over the world, even in, um, you know, whether it's virtual assistants and, you know, so I don't care where you are in the world. I would love to have a conversation. Um, if you're looking, if you just need advice on getting advisors, I'll have a conversation with you. That's awesome. And I'm glad Chris brought that up. Uh, tremendously grateful. All you entrepreneurs, visionaries, you have the opportunity to do the same. You know, if I spent, if I went door to door in my apartment complex, um, you know, I, I live in a decent apartment complex. Um, there's a lot of good people here. If I went door to door for two of the buildings, 
Um, I would ha- I'd be hard pressed to find somebody uh, with the types of ambitions and the types of vision that Chris Raleigh has. Um, that's nothing against my neighbors. My neighbors are great people. I would find wonderful people who could probably be friends, but I can go on LinkedIn and target the types of people that are that have the CEO experience. They have 10 plus employees, et cetera, and I can knock on their doors. I'm going to get almost as many no's, um, you know, if especially if I'm too aggressive. And in our case, you know, we find fine tuned our our messaging to where we actually get like eight yeses for every one to two no thanks and people are nice about it. Uh, that's new. Um, you know, we went through years of getting kicked in the teeth, um, trying to figure out how do we inspire people to understand we're not, we're not some scary threat. Um, you have to, you know, that's the nature of knocking doors. That's the nature of stranger danger. You have to learn to appreciate it. Well, if you learn to appreciate it, you can learn to have greater impact. So what I'm, what I'm getting at with that, like Chris putting this out there, I'm going to be talking to him about this on on both directions after the show um my first investor in first class business was dr todd snyder and he's obviously still one of our investors he was my original 50 50 partner he now owns five percent of the company and he's a silent investor well he grew up in rwanda um on a sustainable farm his dad is a professor um and actively goes out and builds these so he didn't actually move to america for the first time until he was in sixth grade um, so he has this really interesting cultural upbringing, um, and he's a peak performance coach at the absolute highest of levels. And he's still, you know, I've always wanted to pick his brain about the sustainable farming aspect. I've never had a reason to dive into that. Now, all of a sudden, Chris comes on my radar and I'm like, oh, maybe this is an opportunity to connect those two, let them go to bat and then later knock on their door and say, hey, guys, what happened? Um, <laughs> did something cool come out of this? Yeah, that is great. The more people you meet, the more people you can connect. Um, and I think it's, if you try to be a connector actively, that, that pays dividends. A lot of people don't realize that. Yes. If I go to a farmer today and they have, they yielded their harvest two weeks ago, they sold everything and they're in the, you know, I don't know how farming works perfectly. So forgive me on the analogy, Chris, but if they're in the process of planting seeds, right, that's what they're up to they got nothing to give in the moment right they might not have anything to give you yet those if you get in there and you plant seeds with them and plant seeds with them and plant seeds with them when the harvest yields fruit it's amazing what type of feast you can have with with individuals so as steve harvey says steve if you look up steve harvey youtube steve harvey planting seeds you will probably find a very very great motivational talk on why he just goes about life planting seeds, planting seeds, planting seeds every single day, um, knowing that that you'll reap what you sow. Um, Chris, this was super inspiring. Where where should if people want to take action with your vision, where's the best place for them to start? Do you think? You know, you, you showed it. Our website is a great place to start. Of course, we're on social media, all those things. You can follow us. Um, but yeah, go to our website. We try to, in order to get whether it's farmers to embrace this new idea of funding or investors to embrace something that they probably never invested in, there's an educational component. So we, part of our, our job is to educate both sides of the equation there. So go to just start out at harvestreturns.com. Awesome. And we are not talking about only farmers dot com or whatever that dating site is. We're talking about <laughs> investing in agriculture and helping 
change the world of, of sustainability. So I just dropped that link one more time. All these links will be in the, uh, the landing page as well. Everybody, you can, you can catch up more about what the mission looks like. The vision looks like there too. And if you have a vision and you want to share it in the top right corner, you'll see a button that says, be our guest. We would love to invite you to come in, share your vision with us, and even possibly join us on the stage. We hope everybody has a fantastic rest of their week. And Chris, thank you for being here, man. Thanks, Jackson. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent time building out.